Hey guys, we'll get started in just one minute, but I wanted to give you some good news. We've got our Worship and Creative Conference coming up in October, the 23rd to the 25th, and you can join us online. So as a thank you to you, our podcast listeners, for being with us on the journey, we wanted to give you a discount, 20% off the whole online conference. Go to hillsong.com forward slash WCC and use the promo code podcast19. And now let's roll the intro. Hillsong Creative Podcast, where we hear from creative experts, influencers, dreamers, and doers, what they've learned and what we can learn from their journey as we explore, respond, and create. Hey, welcome back to the Hillsong Creative Podcast. This is Rich speaking. I'm your host, and I'm so privileged to be joining you as you join me. (laughs) Um, Hey, this week is the Hillsong Worship and Creative Conference, and it is going to be so exciting. We are really pumped about it, and I can't wait for those of you who are coming to meet you guys and those who are coming online to meet you guys sort of virtually online. Um, On that note, as I said at the start, we do have a promo code for the online conference so that you guys, our faithful listeners, can join us from wherever you are for the online conference. And I just wanted to mention one more time that the conference is available, obviously now, or, you know, this week when it's live, but it will be still available for three weeks to come. So if you're not listening to this live when we release the podcast, then you can still be a part of the conference even after it's happened. There's three weeks of on-demand service there. And so maybe till about mid-November, 20. 2019, you'll be able to join us for the conference. And I hope and I pray that you will do that because I think it's going to be really useful for your own life and creativity personally, but also for the lives of your team and, and you know the people in your world. There is a group registration as well. So if you want to take advantage of that, check it out on the website, like I mentioned, and hopefully we'll see you at conference. In today's episode, though, We've got a really great guest, someone who I look up to and a really great friend. Christine Kane is going to be joining us today. And what you're about to hear is Chris speaking to us prior to conference about really who we are, our our identity in Christ as we are creatives, as we're worshippers and worship leaders. And it's a really fresh take and it's obviously very biblical, but something I had not thought about for a very long time. And so in this one, I think that you're going to be inspired, encouraged, maybe a little bit uncomfortable as Chris encourages us to step up and be all we're meant to be, all we're called to be and actually who we are in Christ. So this is a good one and I think it's going to sit in a good place as we enter into worship conference and as you enter into all God has for you where you are. So let's jump into it and I'll talk to you at the end. I love you all so much and um, you know, to be speaking to all our campuses, so uh, Australia right at this um, second and all over uh, Europe and Africa and Asia and um, wherever we are, South America. I don't want to leave anyone out. Um, it's a little bit like God, isn't it? It's kind of omnipresent. Like there it is, the, the whole globe. But I, when Cass asked me, Nick and I love uh, Cass and Rich with all our hearts. It's not just hype. It, 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 you know, you don't do 20 odd years with people and um, not love them. And it just, I walked in tonight and I thought, this is like, 
is so freaky. Uh, I can't see you with them on. And so um, it, it's so freaky because there's just so many, and not just here, we're all over. So I'm very mindful um, of everyone all over the world. And you just go multiply thousands of people um, have gathered on a Thursday night or whichever night it might be. Um, and this like is not normal in case you don't know. You know, I spend my life doing laps of the globe. People say, like, where do you live? I'm like on a plane. I just do laps of the earth. And uh, I get to be in every stream of the church, um, literally every stream of the church. And you just don't see this. And we ought to be so grateful constantly um, that God allows it. I, I'm particularly tender. So wherever I'm coming to you via the screen um, tonight, I want you to know I'm aware you're there, but I'm standing in our Hills campus. And so forever, this for me will have a very, very tender place in my heart because I, gr I grew up um, in Layla Park, just down Sunny Hot Road. Um, and I used to do the drive up um, to here, to our campus here for 19, in the last Sunday night in January, in 1989, um, a friend invited me to come to what was then Hills Christian Life Centre. And I'd come from a Greek Orthodox background and so church for me was very liturgical. Uh, we'd have three hour liturgies in ancient Greek, which no one speaks, so that was really helpful. And so, um, and you know, and so I had not been into an environment like this at all. And when I came in, uh, to that room that night, there was probably less people in the room than there is in just this room, let alone everyone I'm speaking to in all of our campuses. And I had never been into an experience like that. I don't even think I'd been into a Protestant church, maybe maybe some kind of uh, school meeting, but not in a church. And I remember walking in, it was at the warehouse, and my life was such a mess, you have to know. When I came into that meeting on that last Sunday night, six o'clock service, um, my life was had been so broken. I, I had been left in a hospital, unnamed and unwanted when I was born. I didn't even know that at that point. Um, and I had been sexually abused for many years growing up. And I was like the daughter of Greek immigrants, which now it's really cool to be Greek. But when in the in 1970s and 80s in Australia, it was not cool to be Greek. And if you've seen my big fat Greek wedding, that is my big fat Greek life. And so um, we, we were like quite marginalised for, for being um, Greeks and the kids at school at Limwell Park Public School, I'm not mentioning anything, but they did not appreciate, you know, feta cheese and garlic sandwiches. And so um, it, it, and nowadays it's a cuisine, you pay a lot of money for it. But back then, we, you know, Wayne and Raymond mentally scarred me, been a lot of therapy for a lot of years to get over how much they hated my feta cheese and um, while well, they ate their Vegemite. Anyway, so... Um, <laughs> As, as, so I was very, very broke, just so full of shame, so full of guilt, so full of condemnation, made my own mistakes um, and, and sins of my own volition and relational dysfunction that, that I chose to go into. And so when my friend invited me here, uh, I walked in, I will never forget it to this day, you know, that was now 30 years ago. Um, and I walked in and there was a sound. I, I'd not ever heard anything like that. Uh, you know, Greek, Greeks don't have musical instruments in church. It's liturgical and it's chanting, so similar to our Sunday nights. And so as I, and incense, and I, I walked in and I, I don't know how to explain it, but whatever was happening in that room, the Spirit of God, which now I've got language for it, you know, the Holy Spirit of God so captured my heart and I just, 
couldn't believe these people singing and the, the song that was being sung. And that night, that Sunday night, last Sunday in January, 1989, God began such a, a deep eternal work in my life at, at such a whole nother level where I really think I, I started to walk into my salvation and what Jesus had done for me. And I would do that drive, which was about 18 minutes. I, I lived for Sundays because I couldn't, at first I couldn't tell anyone I was going to church because I wasn't allowed to go to a, a Protestant church. And um, I would drive and make excuses to get out on a Sunday. And I lived, I was still so broken for many years. I was still so broken. And I lived for Sunday night to Sunday night. I just lived for being in that environment where they would sing these songs and something would happen to, it would be the only time of the week that the torment in my mind would stop. It would be the only time of the week that there would be any sense of peace in my heart. And over time through that, uh, my theology was formed a lot through through our our songs and our singing because it was just it was the only kind of grasp I could get on God until I began to even understand what the Bible was and you know in the Greek church you kiss it you don't read it and so I didn't know that you actually read the Bible and so it was a um, a journey to do all of that but I, I I have never it has never been lost on me thirty years later. Um, what happens when we just do what we think we do, which is plug in some wires and have um, a, a speaker and have a microphone and someone that we can't see is working a sound desk and someone has worked hard to sing songs that we just might think are songs, but they literally are the difference between life and death. I'm sure I didn't commit suicide then because of the song. I'm sure I didn't. I, I'm sure I managed to keep going because there was a song, because someone bothered on Sunday night, which is what you do on Sunday morning to turn up. Someone bothered to plug in some wires. Someone bothered to work a sound desk. Someone bothered to put some words on a screen so I could actually understand what the people were singing because I had no idea. Someone bothered to do that and to offer a sacrifice of praise, and, and which is what we're doing. We're here on all of our campuses. We're here in all of our churches and we do it week in and week out and we can lose sight of what is going on or the power of it. But you've got to understand the person walking through the door. I mean, I was that person. I, I, I never lose sight of any of that and what the Holy Spirit did. So I lived for the 17 minute drive up Sunny Holt Road so I could get into that warehouse so that the, the torment in my mind would stop and maybe I could have another week where I probably wouldn't kill myself because there must be this God that loves me and somewhere He's got a plan for my life and somewhere He's got, and that kept me for years and years and years and it kept me through making choices, really difficult choices to break off destructive relationships. And when I didn't know um, a whole lot about a lot, I would just get into that place of worship where I would just, our, our songs were like fuel in me. And you know, you see me today, which is a miracle. Um, it's, it's the grace of God and a miracle of the, the miracle of God. But I would come here whenever the doors were open, whenever there was anything happening midweek, just so that I could be in that worship environment because transformation would take place in my life. I say all that to go, Next week, it's my 30th Hillsong Conference, 30 years of coming to Hillsong Conference. And 
we're turning up. And for some of us, um, it's like, wow, here we go, or here we go again. But you know, I drove 17 minutes up the road. There are people getting on planes for 17 hours because they're looking for what I was looking for when I came up that sunny hot road to walk into our building. For them, this is gonna be the difference between life and death. People are getting on planes and they desperately need a word from God. If God doesn't turn up, some of them are thinking of they're gonna take their own lives. Others are gonna walk out on their families. Others are gonna leave God. Others are going to literally give up on their God-given destiny. They're gonna walk out of ministry. They're gonna walk out of their business. But there's gonna be a song. There's gonna be some kind of connection that's gonna do something on the inside of them that will continue to sustain them and continue. That's why we do this. That's why we do this. And if we ever forget why we're doing it, then the whole thing gets turned upside down and we lose the power for, for the power of what it is that God has graced our house for. And you know, you don't fluke. I don't know how many, this is probably the 35th or something. How many Hillsong conferences have we had? It's like somewhere in there. And um, it, you know, you don't fluke that. It takes way more than just good marketing to keep something going for 35 or 30 something years. You, you, you can't, no one is that good. You cannot. It, it takes more than whatever the creative elements, which I'm sure are going to be fantastic. But you know what? Um, you can get creativity anywhere. Uh, you, you don't need to fly 20 hours across the world to do that. But the one thing that we've always had in our house at every service is the one, the thing that made me get in a car and make an excuse to kind of get away from everyone so I could drive 17 minutes up the road so that I could get into this atmosphere. The one thing is the presence of God, the glory of God, because that's the only thing that transforms people's lives. That's the only thing that changes people. And that's why people are coming next year, next week. And that's why people will continue to come. Because even though they might not have language, I wouldn't have had language to say, that's what I'm coming for. But that's what I was coming for. Good music I could get anywhere. Well, not really anywhere, but you could get it if you go looking for it. You know, good, a, a good song you could get anywhere. But the presence of God, the power of God, the transformation of God, you can't get that everywhere. That's got to be in an environment. And that's what we create for people. You've got to be very secure to be a chick that goes to Hillsong Church for 30 years and not be able to sing. And, um, you know, I've just got to tell you all that. I disappoint so many people. It's like, I think they think, you know, she's coming, she's Brooke, you know, or something. Um, and it's like, I'm so like, I talk, I don't sing. And so, um, but I might not sing, but of course, you couldn't run A21 in 15 countries or a whole bunch of other stuff that we do if we, there wasn't a creative bone on the inside of us. All of that is creating something out of nothing is, is where creativity is in the midst of it. So, you know, of course, we all know that God is creative, that we're created in the image of God, but people are not coming for our creativity, they're coming for the glory of God. And our creativity is only effective in as much as it reflects the glory of God. If the day we ever invert this and think people are coming to see how creative we are, we've missed the whole deal. God is our Creator. God is the ultimate Creator. Transformation only happens in the presence of God and our creativity is effective and God will allow us to continue to flourish to the degree that we continue Continue to allow our creativity to point to the glory of God and to reflect the glory of God because it's the glory that our world, the whole earth declares His glory. And so everything that we do ought to be directing people to the glory of God. So every generation has its temptation to deflect the glory from God to themselves. 
it looks different. It started in the garden, has never changed. But all of us have got our own things in our own generation that we're gonna have to navigate if we're not gonna try to deflect the glory from God to us. And in the hashtag selfie generation, well, we have our own. This is the generation more than ever before. And simply, it's not, I'm not saying anything prophetic. It's just a, a natural thing because of the world in which we live. When I was growing up, those days when I came up the sunny hot road, there was no internet still then. There was no social media then. So I didn't have the same temptations. I had other temptations to deflect the glory of God from God to me. But we have a whole different set of temptations in our generation now because of the world in which we, you don't know, most of you you don't know any other world. So the only world I can speak to is the world that we're in. And so in this world where everything is about building your platform, everything is about hustling, everything is about getting attention, everything is about making yourself known, hashtag humble brag, it's all for the glory of God really, Um, the temptation, The subtle temptation is not, is that we're actually using God to deflect the glory from Him to ourselves because somehow we think if we're elevated, God's gonna look better. God does not look better when you and I are elevated, I promise you. Really, really, that does not make God look any better than He actually is. We need to do everything we can in our heart to make sure that we do not drift from our primary responsibility to glorify God, that we do not drift from God-reliance to self-reliance, that we do not drift from giving the credit to God to taking the credit for ourselves. You know, we don't want to present a false humility like it's all for God, but deep in our hearts, God knows and we know that it's really a whole lot more about us than it is about God, that we're never gonna get anywhere there. So the fact is that you can be lulled into thinking, and I think particularly because of our social media culture, that everything is an overnight success. And because so, many, so few of us are living the life God's called us to live, we spend all our time scrolling through everyone else's life. And so when you scroll through everyone else's life, you begin then to start to compare, to compete, to, to think that you know, you've missed out and someone else is getting a great opportunity. And even within our own church, because we've got campuses all over the globe, it's so easy to think, well, you know, man, why are they getting, I'm actually a better singer than them or I'm a better this than that or I'm a better this than that. And we start comparing and competing and we're scrolling and instead of celebrating one another, we're comparing ourselves amongst one another. And then we take God right out of the equation because we start thinking, you know, I should have that or I should do that or I should be there. But the thing is that basically the music industry, whatever that means, or the Hollywood industry, makes us all think we're on some trajectory, man, to get there. When when, when you get there, when you get, if you could just build the right platform, if you could just network with the right people, if you could just connect and make sure that the right pastoral care person sees you and you're shown on the right spotlight at the conference and someone hears you hit that note, that's gonna be the big thing. Then you're gonna be on that next tour, Madison Square Garden, here you come. And so that's going to be the next thing. And that's what, and if I could just get there, So you can spend all next week missing it because you're just waiting to get there. Wherever there is, wherever you're there is. Now the problem is there is a myth because there is no there. Because when you're there, you're here. You're here. Like you think, man, if I could just get, if I had like a ministry like Chris Kane and if I could just get there, but you're looking at me and you're saying, man, if I could just get there. And I'm like, I'm not there, I'm here. I'm here. You're there. To me, you're there. You're like, I'm not there, I'm here. I know, because that's the only place you can ever be, here. Because when you get there, you're here. You know, when I was back then driving up the road, 
That was there then, but it was here then. Now it's there, but then was here. And so wherever you think you're going to be, you are only ever here and you are only ever here now. You only have this one moment and you're only in this one place and what God does to you in you in this one moment, in this one place will determine what happened. But man, we have this thing that if I could just get there, and get these temporal accolades and so many of us forfeit our eternal reward because we are looking for some, some temporal accolade right here. But here is the point, you're already there. You've already arrived. And you go, Christine, what do you mean? There is actually no place that you can get to on this planet, on this side of eternity, nowhere, in fact, for all of eternity, you are never gonna go higher than if you are in Christ, you are never gonna go higher than where you are right now. I, I want you to get this. Where you and I are at this moment, we can never get higher. It doesn't matter what venue you play. It doesn't matter what award you get. It doesn't matter what accolades you get here on the earth. There is nothing, nothing that is ever gonna take you any higher to where you are already. Now, let me give you a Scripture verse for this. So the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 to 22, for this reason, Paul writes, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power towards us who believe, according to the working of His grace, Great might that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And He put all things under His feet and gave Him His head over all things to the church. Okay, so you go, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's Jesus Christ. Look what God did. God placed Jesus above, far above, not just above, far above. All rule and authority, that you can't get any higher above all of that. And not only that, He placed all things under His feet, everything. So He's far above, as high as you're gonna get, and every other thing is under His feet. That's where Jesus is. Then it tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, Verses four to six, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So not only did God raise Jesus from the dead and seated Him, far above, can't get any further, far above everything and placed everything under His feet. He also raised us up, seated us with Jesus at the table. What I'm trying to tell you is there's nowhere else to go. I don't know what else you're looking for. There is nowhere else to go. This is as good as it gets. 
This is the pinnacle. This is better than any award. This is better than any spotlight. This is better than any accolade. I wonder how much better we would serve the people next week if we serve them from the place of being seated at the table, understanding, you know what, at this table, there's a seat for everybody. It doesn't matter if someone else gets a seat at the table because our God's a God of abundance. This food does not run out. It's not less for me if somebody else gets some. It's not less for me. There is enough for everybody. We can feed everybody in that arena because I don't need, I'm already at the table. Man, we would all be so much more effective ministers if we understood we're already there. So from that place of abundance, I'm already there. I don't need anyone to see me next week. I don't need to show, whatever God wants me to do, that's fine. Because I'm as high as I'm gonna get whether I'm working backstage and nobody sees me or whether I'm on front stage and the whole church sees me. It doesn't matter because I'm already there. And if He's my goal and I'm in Him, man, you chill out when you're just like, I'm seated in Him. And when you learn to take a seat, you're not racing to try to find a place. You're not racing to try to find a position because you've taken your seat. You're like, I'm at the table. I don't need to compete. I don't need to find a place. I don't need to be in position because I've been seated. And we take all the striving out. It changed the way our creativity operates. Because when you know you're at the table and there's enough room at the table for everyone, it is stunning to me because to create from a heavenly place is really different to than trying to create to be elevated to a heavenly place. When Jesus has already elevated you and you create from that place, it changes everything. You have access to so much more. See, when you're trying to create for it, then man, you've got to rely on all of your own ability, all of your own gift, all of your own talent, which is why we end up exhausted, which is why we end up addicted, which is why we end up with so many other patterns of destructive behaviour, because we're trying to make something happen. But when you take your seat and you start creating from where you're already seated, there's a limitless supply and it flows out of you. And you know what? You've got the same view of Jesus because He's the head of this table and He's given me a seat at this table. So it doesn't matter where I'm serving next week because I'm still looking at the Master. Nothing has obliterated my view of Him. Whether I'm leading up the front and everyone can see me, that's irrelevant because I'm here for Him. You know, there's this thing um, in America, it's called the Hayden Planetarium. And um, so it's basically got 400 and something seats and you're looking at the universe. It's, it's like quite awesome. But in their guidebook, this is what got my attention. Um, it says, all seats provide equal viewing of the universe. So it says to everyone, no matter where you sit, you're not gonna miss anything. No matter where you sit, don't agonise about where you're gonna sit. Don't agonise about where you're gonna sit next week because you're already seated at the table and your view of Him is unobstructed. You can see Him wherever you are, it doesn't matter. See, when we get up in front of people, it's not about us seeing Jesus, it's about people seeing us. So you don't really care where you're seated if it's about seeing Jesus because your view of Him is everywhere. When you get in front of people, you don't get any more Jesus than you've got right now. You just get more people. So you got to ask yourself is why do I want to do more because I want more of Jesus? Well, He's at the head of this table. I'm already seated at the table. 
doesn't matter where I'm placed on earth because I'm seated in heavenly places. And so my view of Jesus is unobstructed wherever I am, whether I'm singing a lead song or whether I'm playing the drums or whether I'm out the back working the machines or whether I'm putting makeup on people. Some of you won't even get into a meeting because you've got to make the whole thing happen. Back, I'm saying it's fine because you'll see right there. You can still see your King. You've got an unobstructed view of your King. That's what it's all about. It's all about Him. Seated is a, a past tense verb, meaning it's already happened. And this is part of the divine tension, obviously, of already, but not yet. We're there, but we're not there. We're going there, but we're there. I love Christianity. It's so weird. It's so weird. But the fact is, um, it is true. And you'd save yourself a lot of angst if you actually operated from there. You're exhausting yourself with feelings of jealousy and loneliness and insecurity and depression and anxiety with this longing to be seen, to be known, to be heard. But He's at the head of the table. He sees you. He knows. He hears. And we're trying to get from people what we will only ever have satisfied from God. And we turn the people we're serving into idols that we're trying to get something from rather than getting it from God who will give it to you and it will never run dry. It will never run dry. That insatiable lust for more will never be satisfied by people. And we can't serve the people next week if we're idolising them and we need them to make us feel a certain way about ourselves. We can only serve them from an overflow of the table that we're already seated at. That's the only way we serve people and don't use people. Otherwise, we're using people to meet an unmet need on the inside of us rather than bringing a taste of heaven to earth. If we don't take our seat in that heavenly place, then we've got nothing to bring to the people. And if all we're offering them is ourselves, they're gonna go away parched and dry and very hungry next week. The only thing we've got going for us that we can bring to them that will have any sustaining eternal value is something from the table of the King to the people. That's what we need to bring. That's where our creativity flows most effectively. Not what I can come up with from down here that's gonna be like a little sugar hit to keep the people going. And then we've got to entertain them next week with a better sugar hit. But if I'm bringing them manna from heaven because I've been seated at the table and there's an overflow that comes out of me, then it's like rivers of living water that will never run dry. So you create from that exalted place where you have full access to God's love, power, peace, provision. The fact is God has specific works for us to do, specific songs for you to write, specific paintings to be drawn, specific, specific areas of creativity that will come out of you. But the truth is that if you're not seated at that table, you're not even gonna know what it is. You're gonna manufacture something in the natural that is gonna have no eternal value. But when you get it from Him, then it's awesome. It takes all the pressure off. You don't have to be the next anyone. You don't have to be better than anybody. You just have to be you. You just have to be the you that God created. You have your unique fingerprint, your unique voice print, your unique uh, eye print. We all do. But if you're not seated at the table, locking eyes with Him, and you're just scrolling through everybody else's life. If I could just be better than them, if I could just be seen here, if I could just write something better than that. You've got nothing to give to the people. It's only from that table that we bring heaven to earth. You can finally stop scrolling and competing and comparing and actually start creating when you're seated. 
Wasting so much of your energy. Not creating while we're doing all the rest of that. So when you're at the top, here's the deal. Look, if you take a seat at God's table, then you're not waiting to take a bow in front of men. See, a lot of us, we're so frustrated because man, we wanna do something that enables us to take a bow. And Jesus goes, I'll spare you from the bow, take a seat. Take a seat. You got a table here, you could just take a seat. So when you're at the top, like Jesus, what do you do when you're above all things, Ephesians says, when all things are under your feet? Well, there's only one place to go from there. It's just called down. That's it. When you're already at the top, you can only go down. Jesus, who did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but ha, although He was God, He took on our nature. He, he became like man. The fact is, if Jesus Himself stepped down from up, why would we not think the highest place that we could serve humanity here on this earth is by coming down from up? Why would we not think that is the most awesome thing? And yet everything in our world is about elevating us. Everything in our way is, is, man, if I could just get a better platform, if I could just get more elevated, if someone could just see me, especially when it comes in the realm of creativity. And Jesus goes, you know what? I'm like the Creator. I like burped one day. Earth, oops, look what I did. There it goes. <laughs> but, but, but I'm gonna come down. I'm gonna come down and I'm gonna serve humanity because here's the deal. When you come down, it, it takes not only all the pressure off, how empowering and liberating is it that you don't have to keep trying to strive and to press and to push? There isn't a ladder to the top. That's what I'm here to tell you. There's a cross to the top, but not a ladder. Jesus is the one that paid that price and enabled us to get there. He enabled us to go up. The only way we were ever gonna get up to the top was not through any ladder, any award, any arena, any conference. That's not gonna take us to the top of what? Of a very, very temporal ladder. The only way we could get to the top eternally is through the cross of Jesus Christ. It's the cross that took us there so that we could come down from there and bring a taste of heaven to earth, to this planet. So we serve people from that place, not for that place. And when that happens, that's why God says to us, humble yourself, James 4.10, humble yourself before the Lord and He will exalt you. Humble yourselves, 1 Peter 5.6, therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt us. Now to humble ourselves, as C.S. Lewis has said, it's not to think less of ourselves, but it's just to think of ourselves less. The greatest gift we will be to the conference next week is if we just think of ourselves less. It's not about Hillsong, it really isn't. It's about Jesus and we're not here to think about who's gonna see me and who's gonna see my work and who's gonna record my, no, no, no. I'm thinking about person number 15,000 in the back that is gonna kill themselves if they don't hear from God this week. That, that marriage that if God doesn't turn up, it'll never be reconciled. That, that church is gonna stay together because we're gonna speak a word of life and we're gonna lift them up to the glory of God and they're gonna encounter a resurrected King that reconciles, that restores, that heals, that brings hope. That's what they're gonna do. So it's not anyone else's job to humble us. You know, we don't have the spiritual police. It's my job to humble you. It's like, like that's not even the Bible. It says, humble yourself. It's, it's our job to humble ourselves. Cass and Rich can't humble you. You're, you're gonna have to make a conscious decision that I'm already at this top. <laughs> so I'm choosing, I'm, I'm choosing to come down. I'm choosing to humble myself. I don't think less of myself. I know who I am. I'm a daughter of the King. I know that I have access to every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. I know 
what I have and I know who I am. I'm not minimising myself. I'm not reducing myself. I'm not going, I'm just a worm, I'm hopeless. No, but because I know who I am and I know at what table I already sit, I'm choosing to come down from that table so that I can serve a lost and a broken humanity. It's so the opposite to our culture, which is all about building a name for yourself, building a brand for yourself, building a thing for yourself. You know, it's never worked out in Scripture well when anyone's wanted to build a brand or a platform for themselves. (laughs) Remember the city of Babel where, you know, the people wanted to build a strong, defensible city with a massive tower that would reach the heavens. (laughs) Self-glorification, self-reliance. Genesis 11.4, then they said, come let us build a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves. Very dangerous in a culture that is all about making a name for ourselves. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the earth. You know, that didn't go well for them. Really didn't. 2 Samuel 18, 18, now Absalom in his lifetime had taken and set up for himself the pillar that is the king in the king's valley. For he said, I have no son, This is what happens when you don't reproduce spiritual sons and daughters. I have no son to bear my name in remembrance. He called the pillar after his own name and it's called Absalom's monument to this day. A lot of dead Absalom monuments around the world and churches that have built monuments to their own name because they didn't have spiritual sons and daughters to reproduce, that's what happens. 1 Samuel 15, 12, and Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning and it was told Samuel saw came to Carmel and beheld, he set up a monument for himself and turned and passed on and went down to Gilgal because his life was such a mess. So I wonder, can we trust God to exalt us at the right time or are we gonna try to exalt ourselves? Can we trust that God will do it? Do we need to build platforms and towers and monuments to ourselves? Or are we gonna step down from where we're already seated so that we can lead people into the presence of God where transformation can happen? You know what? People cannot take you where God has already placed you. I want you to understand that God placed you there. We're looking for people to take us somewhere that only God has placed us. No amount of accolades from man is gonna fill that void on the inside of us. So let me wrap up. So what we do is we serve from the top, not for the top. So once we know we are there, we are not trying to use people to get there. We serve people from there. It's crucial. Remember, you don't get more of Jesus in front of a crowd. You just get more of a crowd. You get more of Jesus when you're seated. That's where you get more of Jesus because that's where He is. He's seated at the right hand with the Father. So the best place I can get more of Jesus is not when I'm in front of the multitudes next week. I come down from my best place because I get Him now. He's at the table. He's at the head. I'm seated in Him. I've got all of Him. I'm not going to have any more of Him next week because there's a whole lot of people that I'll be talking to. I'm not going to have any more of Him than I've got right now or that I'm going to have when I go home in the car because I'm seated in Him. So as long as I say seated in Him, I'm not looking to get more of Him from people. I've got it here. I'm not looking to get more of Him in my creativity or what I invent or the next thing because I've already got all of Him now in the midst of all of that. So we create from the top and not for the top. We create from our identity in Christ, not for our identity from what we've created. We create from our approval from Christ, not for the approval of people. 
We create from our significance in Christ, not for our significance from people. We create from Jesus' love, not for the accolades of people. We create from already being validated in Christ, not for our validation from people. We create from our platform seated, not for a platform to stand on here on the earth. We create from our riches in heaven, not for riches on earth. We create so that He will be known, not so that we will be known. That's why we create. So we have the opportunity next week to help thousands connect to God. This is really what I came from. You've got to understand there's no shortage at His table. There's an abundance. There's an abundance. And we're going to keep going and by the grace of God, continue to be fruitful and feed, I pray, billions of people from the table, not from our creativity, from His table. And if we serve them from that spirit of abundance, it'll never run dry. And everyone will be fulfilled because as we keep stepping down and humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, then He continues to exalt us in due season. I don't know how it works, but that's the God principle. While we're not jockeying and striving and pressing and trying, but seated and then stepping down from that seated place to serve means I'll do anything, anywhere. And so when we bask in His glory, then we can reflect His glory when we're in front of the people. We're not looking for glory from the people, we're reflecting God's glory to the people, which is the only thing that's gonna bring any kind of eternal transformation. So the deal is in Genesis 26, 18, the Bible says, Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the days of his father Abraham and that the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died. He gave them the same names, the same names his father gave them. You know, these wells were so essential, obviously when Abraham was going, leaving Ur and moving forward, the the wells is what kept his family alive, Sarah and Isaac and his livestock. And then the Philistines had stuffed them all up and Isaac came back. And the Bible says he, dug up, not new wells, those same old wells. He dug them up and for another generation, they brought refreshment and they brought life, just like they had for Abraham. So He dug them up and named them the same name. You know, 30 years ago, I drove 17 minutes up the road and there was a well. There was living water. I don't even know if I would be alive. I certainly wouldn't be married. I certainly wouldn't have two children. I certainly wouldn't be rescuing slaves around the world. I would be, if I was alive, at best, I would be an addict in the most destructive relationship. But I found a well. I found a well and the well brought me back to life because the rivers of living water brought me back to life. So next week, let's dig some wells and go back and name them because this has always been a house of life. This has always been a house of hope. This has always been a house where we connect people to Jesus and the rivers of living water that stream from Jesus. Our creativity is from Jesus. Our creativity is for Jesus. We want to reflect the glory of God. We want dry people to come and drink living water. We want bodies to be healed, ministries to be restored, churches to be reinvigorated, people to find life. So as creatives in this house, as we lead the charge, let's make a decision. We will re-dig the wells that our house 
that God has allowed our house to water His body and the world. And as we redig them, we will have more blessing and abundance and impact and prosperity, I believe, than we have ever had. And our influence will be greater than ever, not because we're looking for that, but we're going back and we're gonna redig the wells. We're gonna take our seat and then we're gonna step down and serve them in Jesus' Name, in Jesus' Name, in Jesus' Name. It's always great to be reminded of who we are in Christ. And I think that Chris did such a great job at highlighting the difficulty that sometimes we have with living living out who we really are called to be. I find it myself, and I'm sure you're like me, where we can be so distracted by getting stuff done, by the really our gifts and our talents taking, t- taking centre stage. And in, in reality, we need to live out of a place of, of that living water that we should be being filled with constantly through the Word and through the Spirit. And so I guess the challenge is, are we doing that? And, and will we do that? Will we live from heavenly places rather than out of just our gifts and our talents? And as we try to be creative and live lives of faith, I, I, I wonder, could we realign ourselves with who we are, realign ourselves with the Word and really uh, present Jesus in our creativity and not just present our gifts and our talents? So I'll leave you with that. And and this week, as you join us at the Worship and Creative Conference, either online or in the room, I pray that you'll be filled with living water, that you'll be encouraged and lifted up, that we will all hear from God and really be spurred on in our faith and in our creativity and in our lives for Him. So have a great week and we'll see you at conference. That's it for today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it and it's been useful for your journey. If you haven't already, I'd love to take a minute just to encourage you to subscribe. When you do that, you become part of our growing community of creatives who are trying their best to live out their faith through their creativity. So join us anywhere you find your podcasts, subscribe, and then you won't miss out on anything. And I always love to hear from you. So please write us a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. It helps with the visibility of the podcast and it lets us know what you think, what you're enjoying and where we can go with the podcast in the future. Aside from that, you can write to me on Twitter or Instagram at Rich Langton and we'll talk to you next time.